It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. <laughs> I love it. We got a new open for the show. Let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, it is all about betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. By the way, I should mention, not only am I going to give away an NFL Game Pass code on tomorrow's fantasy feast but i'm giving away a madden each week on the ross tucker football podcast all you got to do is take advantage of the codes or the url for keeps or manscaped manscaped is just to trim your you know what keeps is to keep the hair on top of your head both of which if you go to ross tucker.com click on the sponsor tab you can go ahead and see what the code is or use the direct url I take advantage of both of those, Keeps and Manscaped. If you guys want one of these free Madden copies, I got hanging around. Uh, Speaking of hanging around, Joe, that was awesome. That new open, oh, me so hungry. That was amazing. Let's dive into it like we do every week. We do in the first episode that drops Tuesday afternoons, we do the Thursday night game and all the Sunday 1 o'clock games. Then in the podcast that drops after midnight on Wednesday we've got the rest of the late the games on Sunday the Sunday night game and the Monday night game and if you really are into fantasy and want a place to play daily fantasy it's all about Yahoo no management fee one million dollar contest a hundred K to first place 10 entry max. You're not going against people with 150 lineups like some of those other sites. They got a $100,000 guaranteed contest. So a lot of prizes out there. If you're just getting started with daily fantasy football, join the free to enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long, 150K in weekly and season long prizes. And if you get a perfect lineup, you win a million dollars. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Joe, let's start with Thursday night. It's the Bucks at the Panthers. I guess I'll start with the Bucks. At this point, I, I'm just going to say I think we know what Jameis Winston is. But I'd also say I, I thought Ronald Jones actually looked pretty good. He looked better than I thought he has ever. I agree with you, Ross, uh, with, with Ronald Jones. I mean, look. I think he basically doubled up his rookie season rushing yards here in week one. But here's the problem with Ronald Jones for the Buccaneers. He played just 31% of the snaps, fewer snaps than Dare Ogunbowale and Peyton Barber. Uh, Bruce Arians came out today, uh, today's Tuesday, and he said, look, Peyton's going to start and then we're going to ride the hot hand. They love Ogunbowale on passing downs. Jones did get hot. So if you think that's going to continue, then you might want to pick him up. But right now, Ross, we have an ugly three-man split in this backfield. And Ronald Jones, to me, still a shaky flex, still a lower-end DFS option until we get more information out of this backfield. What else were your takeaways for the Bucks offensively and heading into the matchup against the Panthers Thursday night? 
I mean, Ross, the only takeaway I can have is that, and I apologize to anybody who played Jameis Winston in DFS because I was somebody who who fell victim to this as well. The guy was just awful, Ross. And I think we have to step back and separate just a little bit. This is his first game with Bruce Arians. And, Ross, I'm pretty sure you agree Bruce Arians is going to be somebody who, who Jameis Winston can work with and improve. But the three interceptions, and I know Arians said, well, one of them wasn't his fault. O.J. Howard fumbled in the red zone. They lost two touchdowns to to penalties, both to Cameron Brait on the same series. But Winston, Ross, sometimes he just looks like he has no idea what he's doing against that 49er defense. The fact that neither Chris Godwin or Mike Evans could put up big-time numbers, I was very disappointed. Credit to the 49ers. They picked him off twice. Actually, they picked him off three times, twice for pick sixes. More interceptions than they had all last year combined, which is a phenomenal stat. But Jameis Winston struggled so bad, Ross, that I think right now I'm going to do a minor downgrade of Godwin, Evans, and O.J. Howard from my perspective. I'm not going to overreact to week one because Winston could maybe take a step forward here. Uh, He has certainly the talent around him to succeed. But if this continues, I mean, these guys are just not going to live up to their early round draft status. And I think that was the concern people had with taking Godwin, Evans, and Howard all within the first five rounds of redraft leagues. What about on the Panther side? I mean, Christian McCaffrey, I just can't believe how many tackles he's breaking. He's a beast. Is he, is he, are you expecting enough from him in this game that he should be in DFS lineups? Well, for sure, Ross, especially if you're playing the Thursday slate. Now, look, here's the thing about McCaffrey that's that's unbelievable to me. 100% of the snaps. You just don't see that from running backs. Uh, Christian McCaffrey and Le'Veon Bell did it in week one, but you just don't see that. In in this day and age, if a guy plays 65% of the snaps or more at the running back position, you're thrilled with it. But 100% of the snaps, the guy is peerless right now. Uh, he, he's an unbelievable pass catcher. Great, great uh, runner as well, as you've been saying, Ross, breaking tackles. The Buccaneers did a really nice job last year, uh, excuse me, last week against the 49ers limiting that running game. Probably helped a little bit that uh, that Tevin Coleman left early. But against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his career, last, last year, Ross, Christian McCaffrey scored three touchdowns in two games. He ran for 185 yards in those two games and caught 14 passes in those two games combined. He has a great history starting last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a guy who is locked in. I mean, if you knew he was going to play 100% of the snaps in week one, this guy would have been maybe the favorite to be the number one overall pick in fantasy. I just really hope Cam Newton looks better than he did in week one because that was a big problem for me. Who else for the Panthers should we know about and discuss? Well, you need to know about DJ Moore. Curtis Samuel was getting all of the hype, Ross, uh, and, and for good reason. He was he was I having know. a really and that's good the camp. guy I drafted for the Feast League. Yeah, and, and look, and Ross, he had four targets in Week One. I'd love to see him get more targets going forward, but DJ Moore, kind of quietly, ninety four percent of the snaps in Week One, he saw ten targets. So that's critical. He is their X receiver. He did have a fumble. That was a problem with him last year, but this guy is so talented. I am not going to to go away from DJ Moore. He's their number one receiver. One thing you have to look out for heading into week number two here on the Thursday night game. If you have any questions at all about Greg Olson, 
bench him. He has a back injury. He says he thinks he's going to be able to go, Ross, but at his age, it's certainly a problem that he's dealing with a back injury this early in the season. He played 94% of the snaps in week one, but if he doesn't go, Ian Thomas becomes a guy that you can look to stream, and if you're playing DFS, would be a very talented, very cheap option to fill out your lineup. Let's move on to Sunday's games, 1 o'clock. Very curious to hear your thoughts on this matchup. It's the Cardinals and the Ravens. It is unbelievable how bad the Cardinals looked for three quarters. And then all of a sudden, Kyler Murray turned it on and everybody was making plays. You know, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, David Johnson, everybody. What does that mean for them in Baltimore against the Ravens? Well, what I found very interesting about this game, Ross, is the markets out in, out in the desert are do not think Baltimore was a fluke in week one. They are 13-point favorites here against Arizona. Their projected team total of 29.75 puts them uh, tied for second among uh, all teams thus far here for the week. So the markets believe this offense is for real, and they also believe Arizona's defense is really bad. And I think, number one, we saw out of Baltimore what we wanted to see. We saw Lamar Jackson throw the ball, not just accurately, but he threw it down the field. He threw it to those speedy receivers, Hollywood Brown. So you have Baltimore here drawing at home a two-touchdown favorite, which sounds like a lot to me, but the markets believe they are for real. So I want to start on Baltimore's side of the football. Lamar Jackson, you've got to start him right now. The fact that he did what he did and only ran for six yards. Ross, if you were if you were concerned about Lamar Jackson's development, isn't this exactly the kind of game you would have wanted to see from him? He didn't run at all. He just was dropping dimes out there. I mean, that's what you want to see, right? Thousand percent. Thousand percent. We know he can run. We know the running part's going to come. The Dolphins went out of their way to not get beat by the run, and he was able to torch him in the air. Well, the question I have about them, Lamar Jackson, right now, you start him. Hollywood Brown's going to be the hot waiver wire pickup this week. But Ross, he played only 18% of the snaps. He, he saw four targets. Now he had two super long touchdowns using that speed. But he ran, I believe, only 14 routes. It was an unbelievably efficient performance. But the question I have is, were they concerned about the foot injury that he came into uh, that he came into the season with? Did they just decide, we don't need you anymore. We're going to rest you because we don't want you to get hurt. That snap rate is low. Now, I tend to think it's going to go up. Why wouldn't it? But that's something to focus on here for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, in the backfield, we had that three-man split. 32% of the snaps for Mark Ingram. Of course, he scored two touchdowns. Gus Edwards was kind of the closer with 38% of the snaps. I'm interested to see if Justice Hill, the rookie, who got 30% of the snaps and seven opportunities, gets a few more looks going forward, Ross, because the one thing that we couldn't deduce from this game for Baltimore, what does their offense look like when they really have to kind of stick to their game plan, when the game flow goes as expected? Nobody, I don't care if you're playing the Dolphins. I don't care if you're playing Michigan State. Somehow they get promoted to the NFL You'd never expect to beat a team by 49 points. Yeah, And the Ravens were able to do whatever they wanted. I would kind of like to see their offense, Ross, when they're not able to do everything they want. So, But at home, favored by 13 points, I think it's a great spot for Mark Ingram for DFS and in your, and in your lineups. Obviously a great spot for Lamar Jackson. And keep in mind, Mark Andrews, though he played just 42% of the snaps, he caught all eight of his targets for 104 yards and a touchdown. He is 
firmly on the tight end one radar. Um, yeah, did you I'm, – I'm sorry, Joe. Did you did you talk about the Cardinals part of it, every not part yet, of it? Not yet, not yet, no. Okay. I didn't think so. I, I teed you up on the Cardinals, and you went right – you got excited about the Ravens. Yeah, Tell I Tell me about I'm the Cardinals, about dude, the Cardinals. Okay, let's talk about the Cardinals. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So for the Cardinals, Ross, um, Kyler Murray, you have to remember, the guy's a rookie, all right? It didn't it didn't ruin his career that he came out and he had a rough first half. Now, I think the size concerns are going to are going to worry some people, but I had a couple key takeaways here from the Cardinals offense. First and foremost, David Johnson was being used, Ross, like David Johnson should be used. Not only did he play over 80% of the snaps, but he lined up, Ross, in the slot on 15 snaps. That is huge for a running back who was so misused last year. And another takeaway from the Cardinals, they played four different wide receivers over 75% of their snaps. So they're out there with four receivers, no tight ends, and a running back. I mean, what that that's uh that, Ross, that's 10 personnel. You don't see it all that often in the NFL, and they're out there running true air raid concepts. Uh the one guy who I would point out here, if he's on your waiver wire, you want a super cheap DFS option. The rookie receiver Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno State, 76% of the snaps 10 targets in week one. He was third on this team in targets behind Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. This guy's legitimate. I think uh, as of this morning, he was owned in only 2% of leagues. He is somebody you want to pick up and stash on the back end of your bench. I think he's going to get a ton of targets going forward. And keep in mind, the Ravens could once again be down the oft-injured corner Jimmy Smith, who hurt his knee in week one. Good point. What about uh, NFC East battle? Cowboys and the Redskins, man. How about Dak? How about your guy Michael Gallup? I mean, how about Randall Cobb? I, I mean, I don't know if the Giants' defense is just that bad, or with Kellen Moore and these RPOs, we should be highly considering some of these other Dallas guys. Well, you saw the the stats out there with Kellen Moore, Ross. Um, almost half of Dak Prescott's pass attempts came off of play action, and that's something they just didn't do last year. And I think it, it's a, a concept that really gets somebody like Prescott, who's a very – I think he's a timing kind of quarterback. You want to get him into rhythm. You want to get him comfortable. That is so critical for him. So that obviously worked. This is another one of those situations, uh, kind of like Baltimore, where you want to see the Cowboys against a tougher opponent before you really start crowning them, because I thought the Giants offered up zero resistance defensively. But Michael Gallup, Ross, I think he's for real. You saw the speed. Randall Cobb was the guy who I think took me a little bit by surprise. Uh, Randall Cobb out there, uh, he looked tough. Uh, as a matter of fact, Ross, if you... That, that catch down the sidelines where he picked up a first down early in the game, he was so physical on that catch that I actually thought it was Amari Cooper. I was surprised when I looked up and saw that it was Randall Cobb. I expect Cooper to do those things, not Cobb at this stage. Uh, but all three of those guys, Gallup, Cooper, and Cobb, each had at least five targets, each played over 70% of the snaps. I'm still a little leery about Cobb's value, but Cooper and Gallup, with the way Dak Prescott looked, these guys, Cooper, I'd fire up as a high-end wide receiver, too, this week. Michael Gallup, he is firmly in the wide receiver three mix. And with Gallup's speed, keep in mind, Deshaun Jackson toasted this defense for two touchdowns last week. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. 
Um, what about Zeke? I mean, obviously, if yeah. you have Zeke on your team like I do, you're playing him. Do you like this matchup for him from a DFS standpoint? I do. Uh, the Cowboys are road favorites here. And Ezekiel Elliott, the one thing you know that's going to happen, Ross, as the season goes on, he's going to get more snaps. Uh, if he, he came through for you, if you played him in week one, he scored a touchdown. Ross, I know you were playing him. Like, you, you really didn't have a choice. He played 54% of the snaps. Um, he didn't. He had only 13 carries, but he did get into the end zone. Last year against Washington, he had one bad game early in the season, week seven. Week 12, though. 26 for 121 and a touchdown. He also caught five passes. Uh, He played one game against Washington in 2017, 150 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. So he has a good recent history against this division opponent with the Cowboys favorites on the road. I would be firing up Zeke Elliott in this matchup. By the way, Jonathan Allen, the defensive lineman, He's week to week with a knee injury. So that would be a huge, huge boost for Ezekiel Elliott if Allen were to miss this game. Uh, I think this is a great spot for Zeke to get more snaps. Uh, He was under 60% in week one. I think Tony Pollard's snaps and carries are going to plummet here starting in week two. Let's get to the other side, the Redskins. Case Keenum looked pretty good. I I thought Terry McLaurin, the rookie receiver from Ohio State, looked good and Trey Quinn. Yeah, Trey Quinn, uh, for those of you who are, who are who are gambling enthusiasts, Ross, uh, you're cursing Trey Quinn because uh, his touchdown with uh, with uh, six seconds left in that game against the Eagles was a, an ultimate backdoor cover in a really back-and-forth game. Uh, but he had some quicks uh, out of the slot, which I thought was interesting uh, for Trey Quinn. He was the guy who I had been drafting a whole lot in best ball because I thought he had a chance to lead this team in receptions. But it's impossible to not be impressed by what Terry McLaurin did. Another guy, Ross, who is very, very low-owned. Now, you saw what happened against the Eagles. On one play, he ran past Rasul Douglas. Rasul Douglas has, does a lot of things right for the Eagles, but he is not a deep-speed corner. It was a terrible matchup. And Terry McLaurin got behind the Eagles secondary for another potential long touchdown. Uh, there was some miscommunication this time in the Eagles secondary, and Case Keenum overthrew him. But this speed is going to play in the NFL, and I think he would be the receiver here that I would target going forward for fantasy. The speed is real. I thought Case Keenum showed a really nice rapport with him. The key for Keenum in that first half against Philly, though, was he was not pressured. In the second half, Philly really started to get to him, and then the throws were inaccurate. Uh, they, they, he just didn't have the time to hit receivers. McLaren didn't have time to get open deep, and that was the key in this game. But with Washington as a home underdog here, there are two plays I'm focusing on, and especially one for DFS. One of them would be Terry McLaren, uh, uh, probably a lower-end DFS option, really cheap. But Ross, how about in the backfield? Chris Thompson. The receiving back, Darius Geis is going to miss, it looks at least a couple of games with a with a meniscus tear in the opposite knee from his ACL injury. Last week against the Eagles, Chris Thompson, 64% of the snaps, caught eight passes against Philadelphia. This is a guy, whenever the Redskins are in a situation where they're going to be underdogs, and quite frankly, that's going to be rather often this year, Ross, he is the guy I want to play in DFS or in my redraft leagues, not Adrian Peterson, who's going to be active in this game, and not Darius Geis when he's back from his injury. So if somebody, I don't think many people own Adrian Peterson, but if you do, you don't like you don't like putting him in here. 
No, no, no. So look at Adrian Peterson's splits last year, Ross. They were not pretty. So the Redskins here are projected to lose by four and a half points. That's the current spread. Look at Peterson's splits last year in wins and in losses. In the in the seven wins he played last year, Ross, 680 rushing yards and four touchdowns. He averaged 97.1 rushing yards per game in games the Redskins won. In the nine games they lost last year, 362 rush yards, 3.58 yards per carry, just 40.2 yards per game. For a running back who does not catch many passes at all, and he never has, Adrian Peterson is simply not a guy you can play when the game flow is projected to be against Washington. He would be a very poor DFS play in my mind, unless you really want to go contrarian and think the Redskins, who came out feisty against the Eagles last week, might have a little something to say uh, this week at home against Dallas. Yep, I think that's well said. I was just testing you a little bit there, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> what about uh, Colts, Titans, Devin Funches is out. Broken yes. collarbone. What does it mean, Joe? Well, I think one of the guys you take a look at now is Paris Campbell. And and as expected, Ross, Jacoby Brissett did not look bad in this game. Uh, Jacoby Brissett put the Colts in a position to beat the Chargers. The Chargers just had a little bit too much firepower offensively. But Paris Campbell was the guy who, who stood out to me. He played only 29% of the snaps in week one, but he had a target and he had a rush attempt. Two receivers who played more snaps than him were Chester Rogers and Zach Pascal. If you are hearing about those guys for the first time, I don't blame you. They played more snaps than Paris Campbell, but I think Campbell is the guy, now that Devin Funches is going to miss significant time, who is going to get the increase in snaps. He would be a daring DFS play against this really strong Titan defense, but uh, he is somebody who, if you're in a deeper league, would I would look to pick up off the waiver wire because, as expected to me, Jacoby Brissett looked more than competent as the quarterback of the Colts. Um. Running backs, Marlon Mack was the guy for sure. Yes, he was. Uh, he got a lot more run than Naheem Hines. Yeah, 75% of the snaps for Marlon Mack, 25 opportunities uh, for him. Uh, that's, that's rush attempts plus targets. Here is the key, though. All of his opportunities were rush attempts. He didn't get a target. Uh, Naeem Hines got four targets. He was the only running back on the Colts to get a target. And that's significant because the Colts were talking up Marlon Mack's receiving ability this offseason. The fact that he didn't get a target in this game was curious to me. Of course, if he gets good blocking and he can use that long speed to get into the open field, not getting targeted isn't going to matter to him. But it is worth pointing out, for those of you who are in PPR leagues, if the Colts are projected to play from behind, he might not be the targeted running back. So that's just an interesting thought. But I think you could fire him up here as an interesting RB2 DFS option. It's just a, it's just not the kind of spot I want to play him on the road with the Titans as a favorite. Um, let's talk Titans. Uh, sure. They were much more impressive than I thought they would be. Delaney Walker, Derrick Henry. I mean, they smashed the Browns. Your thoughts on their matchup against the Colts? Well, there's there the problem here, Ross, is there's only two guys I think you can consider for fantasy with the Titans. And that's so bizarre to say from a team that scored 43 points. But I'm still not a huge believer in Marcus Mariota. He went 14 to 24 and he threw three touchdowns. But 
almost all of that came on some nice catch and runs from A.J. Brown and certainly Derrick Henry Ross with the 75-yard touchdown reception on a screen pass. The problem with Derrick Henry has always been getting him into the open field. Uh, Once he's there, he's near impossible to stop because of his size and his speed combination. The Titans were able to do that on that screen pass, even though he's not really known as a receiver. But um, the receiving breakdown here for the Titans was disgusting, Ross. Corey Davis played 74% of the snaps. He saw three targets and did not catch a ball. Now, he saw a lot of Denzel Ward against the Browns. That's an issue. But when Marcus Mariota is only throwing 24 passes and you ha- Corey Davis isn't even playing above 75% of the snaps, to me, he's not usable right now until we see more. Outside of Derrick Henry, the only guy on this team that I think I could consider using is Delaney Walker. And don't be scared off by the fact that Walker played just 48% of the snaps here in week one. Ross, when he was out there, he was running routes. The Titans know he's an older guy. He's coming off a serious injury. We don't need him in there to block when we can have Jonu Smith and Michael Pruitt doing those things. Delaney Walker's job was to come into the game and provide a nice target for Marcus Mariota. He was the intended receiver on six of Mariota's 24 pass attempts. He loves Delaney Walker. He is on the tight end one radar. Anybody else Titans-wise, A.J. Brown, that we need to discuss? Keep an eye on him. Uh, I'm not playing him right now, Ross. 43% of the snaps in week one, four targets, uh, a couple of big plays. Once again, I don't really trust this passing game right now, but A.J. Brown is firmly a guy, if you want to stash on your bench, keep an eye on him. This Colt defense, I I think, is a little bit better than people think as well. I'm not really buying in to anybody who's a Marcus Mariota target outside of Delaney Walker right now. Seahawks at the Steelers. It's a 1 o'clock game. D.K. Metcalf impressed. Chris Carson impressed. Tyler Lockett, where was the volume, Joe? I have no freaking clue, Ross. I, I, I just can't even begin to tell you. Now, this is the problem. The Seahawks threw just 20 passes, and we expected that Tyler Lockett was going to be the intended receiver on a large majority of them, but just two targets. Fortunately, one of them was a 44-yard touchdown. He had another drop on a throw down the field. Ross, I'd love to see him play more out of the slot. Uh, this was just a bizarre uh, occurrence. I'm okay with Tyler Lockett in my lineup as a wide receiver three. He's not somebody I want to bench, but you mentioned DK Metcalf. Ross, I drafted him in a, in a high stakes league and I thought, you know what? I'll just hold on to him for a couple of weeks while, uh, you know, while, while he recovers from his injury, I didn't even draft him with the expect with the expectation Ross that he was going to play in week one. He comes out and he impresses. He catches the four passes for, for 89 yards. I loved what I saw from DK Metcalf. Pretty critical. Joe Hayden has a shoulder injury. He's questionable for this week. Ross, if Joe Hayden can't play in this game, this could be a really interesting spot to pile up uh, on DK Metcalf for cheap in DFS with this game lined at 46 and a half. And with the Steelers four point favorites, the Seahawks are expected to be playing from behind. And you would think in that instance, Russell Wilson's going to have to throw more than 20 passes. What about on the other side for the Steelers? Couldn't be more disappointing. It was and awful. by the way, it's unbelievable. How does Dante Moncrief continue to convince organizations that he should start and that he's good at football? Because he's not. He's Ross, not. Ross, he must, he must uh, practice unbelievably well. And look, we have 
we have a guy who's who's very talented here. Now, if you just look at the rate stats, Ross, 90% of the snaps for Moncrief, he was out there on virtually every snap, and he was targeted 10 times. That is the, That's something we want to, for fantasy, focus on and say, this guy's getting used. Ross, he had seven receiving yards on 10 targets. That's abysmal. Uh, Ross, you watched a lot of football this weekend. Did you see a single wide receiver in the league who played a worse game than Dante Moncrief? No, absolutely not. Uh, they got to get James Washington on the field more. They got to get Deontay Johnson on the field more. Um, I know James Washington frustrates them with his inconsistencies, but that he they have got to get somebody they can rely on on the perimeter because, Ross, I would love to see Juju Smith-Schuster move inside into the slot where he had so much success last year. Uh, he, not to say, look, Juju didn't kill you week one. He saw eight targets, but he was getting followed around by Stefan Gilmore, and last year... Those tougher matchups, Antonio Brown handled those matchups. I think the Steelers are probably thrilled that Antonio Brown is gone. However, if Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be drawing the tougher matchups on the perimeter, that's going to put a little bit of a cap on his fantasy upside. So I would really like to see somebody, anybody, emerge of uh, that's a threat on the perimeter. And I really don't foresee that being Dante Moncrief. I would hope James Washington very shortly takes over Dante Moncrief as the starting receiver opposite Juju Smith-Schuster because they need somebody to take some attention off of Juju. What about Connor and Big Ben? I, I have Big Ben as my quarterback, and I lost week one, and I put a lot on his shoulders. Well, so do I. I don't think he played very well, Ross. Um, Big Ben, though... The last few years, he's been a drastic home-road splits guy, so he almost universally plays better at home where this game is, and as we saw last week, giving up over 400 yards passing to Andy Dalton, this isn't the Legion of Boom Seahawks anymore. I know they have Jadavion Clowney, but this is an exploitable secondary. They are really missing Earl Thomas back there at safety. That I think this is an exploitable secondary, so I'd fire up Juju. I think this is a bounce-back game for him. I think Ben coming off of that complete no-show might be a little bit under-owned because the Seahawks' defense still commands that gravitas that people don't want to play guys against them in fantasy. And in the backfield, Ross, James Conner, just 46% of the snaps. Jalen Samuels, 33%. I'm going to chalk that up to the Steelers just trying to get something going. I think it's a buy-low opportunity on James Conner. I think he's going to be just fine going forward. Buffalo Bills at the New York Giants wasn't real pretty for Josh Allen and the guys. They did get the win. Giants, I, I just don't understand. They actually, their receivers actually made a few plays. Give them credit for that. But still, ultimately brutal. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't see a lot it's of fantasy bad. love in this game. What do you got? Well, first and foremost, uh, unfortunately for the Giants, Sterling Shepard, 99% of the snaps, and he saw seven targets. At least he was a guy that you could consider uh, throwing into your lineup as a wide receiver three. Unfortunately, Ross, he's got a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol, so we have to keep an eye on his status. And that that leads me to the Giants. And right now, Ross, that makes them a simple fantasy team to figure out. There's two guys to consider here, Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. Evan Ingram played just 77% of the snaps, but he saw 14 targets against the, 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 the Cowboys. Ross, this is a guy who is going to put up massive numbers this year because they don't have anybody else at least until uh at least until golden tate returns from suspension saquon barkley look 
Uh, it wasn't pretty for Le'Veon Bell. It wasn't easy for Le'Veon Bell last week, but he ended up having a nice game against the Buffalo Bills. He was targeted nine times. I expect that uh, Saquon Barkley is going to find some success here. Uh, the Bills did allow, uh, let's see here. Yes, uh, Le'Veon Bell, he uh, scored 21.2 DraftKings points. More than enough to consider putting Saquon in your lineup, even though this is a tough team. So the Giants here, it's Saquon, it's Evan Ingram, and maybe you can watch Sterling Shepard to see if he's going to play. But Ross, I'd rather sit him anyway against this perimeter corner duo, uh, corner duo of Tredavious White and Levi Wallace. And then um, what about and for the Buffalo Bills on the other side? Devin Singletary is the story for Buffalo. He didn't get a whole lot of opportunities. 70% of the snaps. Now, he had just four carries, but he had six targets. What's interesting to me, Ross, is Frank Gore played just 28% of the snaps. However, he got I think he played 18 total snaps. He got 11 carries on those 18 snaps. TJ Yeldon, non-factor, played just two snaps in week one. So Devin Singletary played way more than I anticipated. This is a guy who should be on your RB3 radar at minimum. He had a huge snap share in week one that I was not anticipating, and he looked explosive. I am firing him up this week for DFS, Ross, against this abysmal giant defense. I might also stack Josh Allen and John Brown. John Brown was everything we wanted from him. Uh, I think seven for about 130 and a touchdown here, including the game winner from Josh Allen. 86% of the snaps. John Brown is the perfect kind of receiver for an aggressive thrower like Josh Allen. Allen, you ride the wave, Ross. You ride the roller coaster. Four turnovers, but you know what he did in the second half? He ran around, he scored a rushing touchdown, and then he made a big play down the field because... I think you can look at this, Ross, as both a positive and a negative trait of Josh Allen. If he turns the ball over, he lives for another day and he says, you know what? I'm still going to play my game. I'm still going to take a shot down the field. And ultimately, I want those traits in my quarterback more than, say, a guy like Mitchell Trubisky, who I, sometimes gets that deer-in-the-headlights look. For better or worse, I don't know how you view him, Ross. For better or worse, Josh Allen does not have that look to me. He has a look of somebody who has confidence in his abilities, and I kind of like that about him. I would agree. How about the Niners and the Bengals? George Kittle got a couple touchdowns taken off the board Brutal. for the Niners, and now we need to know what you're talking about with the running back situation with Tevin Coleman out. Yeah, so Matt Breida actually paced the running backs in snaps with 44% of the snaps and 16 opportunities, though he did basically nothing on the ground against the Buccaneers, which was surprising. Their leading snap getter in the backfield was actually Juszczyk, the uh, the fullback. Though he didn't see a rush attempt or a target, he played more snaps than anybody in this backfield. Uh, the guy who I think, Ross, if you want to take a shot on really deep on your waiver wire, maybe plug him in uh, in, in, your, in your backfield for DFS if you want somebody who's super cheap is Raheem Mostert, who played 29% of the snaps, and he saw 10 opportunities out of the backfield. And Ross, he looked explosive to me. I don't know what, what about you, but this is a guy who has shown some juice dating back to his time with the Eagles during the preseason. Mostert is a guy who is going to have a role here with Tevin Coleman expected to miss some time. The other side for the Bengals, or well, what about wide receivers and tight ends for the Niners? Well, Dante Pettis, uh, I thought for sure 
and I this was the prevailing opinion in the fantasy industry that the talk from Kyle Shanahan was just a motivational tactic for Dante Pettis, trying to put a boot in his butt to get him going. Well, maybe it wasn't just talk, Ross, because he played just two snaps in week one. Shanahan said it was because of his calf injury, but right now Dante Pettis is not playable, and if you really need to pick somebody up off the waiver wire, I think he's droppable with that awful usage. The key here, their snap leader at the wide receiver position in week one, Debo Samuel. 88% of the snaps. He saw only three targets, so he's not somebody I want to plop into my lineup just yet, but he saw the snaps in that game that suggest he's got an opportunity to really seize the day for them. You want to see Jimmy Garoppolo play better? Of course, he's still recovering from that knee injury. As we saw with Carson Wentz to Sean Watson last year, it takes some time, Ross. So I wouldn't be shocked if Jimmy Garoppolo gets better as the weeks go on. And Debo Samuel could finish second on this team in receptions behind George Kittle, who's a virtual guarantee to lead them in receiving as long as he's healthy. On the other side, the Bengals. Joe, mm-hmm. I've been waiting for this from John Ross my whole life. Like, I, I, unbelievable. I, I have to he give was phenomenal. Zach Taylor a lot of credit. He literally never did anything, and now he goes out and he was bought. Now, part of it, the safety for the Seahawks totally blew. I don't care. John Ross still made the play. Yeah, they made. I mean, they were missing Earl Thomas, as I mentioned. But John Ross, this is the guy they drafted in the top ten. He was a top ten pick, and he was a top ten pick because of his quickness as a route runner. You know, I thought when he was a prospect coming out, I thought people mischaracterized him as only a deep threat. To me, he had more similarities to Deshaun Jackson than than just about anything because. Throughout his career, Deshaun Jackson has become a much more nuanced route runner. And I think Ross showed that in this game. My personal opinion, though, is I'm going to let somebody else blow their waiver budget on John Ross because I think uh, he still has a name. He still has that draft cachet that people want to buy into. I'm still a little skeptical based on what we've seen in his first couple seasons, but it was good to see that from him in in sort of a return home because he played in Seattle in college. Uh, But John Ross with a great game here, and I I would think the 49ers aren't as good defensively as they showed in week one. Perhaps I'm wrong, but I'm still going to try to target this defense. Um, And obviously the other big story here for the Bengals, Ross, what's going to happen in the backfield? Joe Mixon suffered an ankle injury, doesn't look serious. At this stage in the week, we don't know if he's going to be able to play. In my opinion, if Joe Mixon does not play in week number two here against the 49ers, lock and load Gio Bernard. Not just in in DFS, but in season long. This was a guy who was a week winner for your teams when Joe Mixon missed time last year. He would be in the mix for 18 to 25 touches, and that's huge for a guy who can catch the ball and is as explosive as Gio Bernard is. How about the Chargers and the Lions? Pretty nice start for Austin Eckler. Oh, pretty nice is an understatement here, Ross. He was phenomenal. And look, I'm I'm on team pay running backs because, Ross, I, frankly, it feels gross to me to not for guys who are uh, who run into 300-pound men for a living. But Melvin Gordon had a really bad week one because both Eckler and Justin Jackson look really good. But Eckler was far and away the number one running back here, Ross. 75% of the snaps. He had 19 opportunities uh, in week one. He obviously had the phenomenal game 
uh, gaining uh, almost 100, over 150 yards from scrimmage with the three touchdowns. He is locked into your lineups here, no doubt about that. Uh, in week number two, uh, Justin Jackson, really only a guy that I think you want to play if the Chargers are projected to have super positive game flow on the road against Detroit snacks, Harrison up the middle, not really a matchup where I want to play uh, Justin Jackson, but Austin Eckler, given what de- happened to Detroit, David Johnson really did a great job as a receiver last week, scored a receiving touchdown. This is a guy that I want in my lineup. I think he's going to be very chalky for DFS as well. Yep, I'm kind of with you on that one. Um, anything else? Keenan Allen obviously made plays. Anything else Chargers-wise we must discuss? Yeah, yeah Keenan Allen is, is, is locked into your lineups and is always a solid DFS option, though Darius Slay provides some resistance there. Also, the Lions have Justin Coleman in the slot, who's an underrated slot corner. Another guy Seattle's missing, by the way, missing Justin, uh, missing Justin Coleman. Uh, Mike Williams, keep an eye on it, Ross. He's got a knee injury. He had only three targets. And a team that has a decent pass rush is going to be able to limit Mike Williams' impact down the field. So, and uh, the Chargers' offensive line is abysmal. So certainly something to watch here against Detroit. I would like to see Hunter Henry get a little bit more involved. Uh, I, I think Max Williams caught a pass last week against the Lions. The Cardinals are going to use tight ends less than any team in the NFL. So we can't really get a picture from week one how the uh, Lions are going to defend the tight end. Hunter Henry played 91% of the snaps, saw five targets. I'd still be firing him up in season-long lineups. On the other side, the Detroit Lions... Yikes. I'm curious to get your opinion on on and your takeaways from them. Well, first and foremost, Ross, uh, the tight end position is a position where I would recommend fantasy players be proactive. You be aggressive on the waiver wire. Go get TJ Hawkinson. I know a lot of Lions fans freaked out about this draft pick because, uh, oh my God, we're using a, another top 10 draft pick on a tight end five years after Eric Ebron. This guy's the real deal, Ross. Uh, you watch a lot of Big Ten football. Did TJ Hawkinson, what he showed in week one, live up to your expectations coming off of uh, what he did uh, for Iowa? Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, I mean, you take a tight end top 10, there's he's got to do everything if you take it one tight end, top top. Yeah, he, he's he's awesome. I mean, he's just explosive. He's more in the, you know, I think we have two kinds of elite tight ends in the NFL. You have your Gronk, George Kittle kind of physical freaks, and you have the Zacherts technician type. I firmly believe Hawkinson fits into the former category of the physical freaks. This guy just runs people over. I mean, he's a special guy. You want to go pick even, you know what, even if you have Zacherts, why does it hurt to pick up TJ Hawkinson? Maybe you're like, look, I'm going to play Zach Ertz every week. Well, then you go get a trade piece because this is a position that is going to thin out. Go be aggressive. The two guys, if they're on your waiver wire at the tight end position, you need to be proactive in acquiring are TJ Hawkinson and Darren Waller of the Oakland Raiders. These two guys you absolutely need to keep your eyes on, even if you have a tight end. I want these guys on your radar. So Hawkinson's an important part of uh, what the Lions do. On the flip side, the negative side, despite the fact that Kerryon Johnson got 57% of the snaps and 18 opportunities, Ross, uh, my friend Scott Pianowski of Yahoo uh, Fantasy, he calls guys fantasy disruptors. And what he means by that is they play just enough that they're annoying, but they don't play enough that you can actually use them for fantasy. C.J. Anderson 
is a fantasy disruptor right now. He played 30% of the snaps and saw 11 opportunities in week one. I think he blew a pass blocking assignment. He is a major thorn right now in the side of Carrion Johnson that I didn't really anticipate. I didn't expect him to play as much as he did. I would hope the Lions go more to Carrion Johnson moving forward, but it is fair to be a little bit concerned about how much Carrion Johnson uh, or how much CJ Anderson was involved in week one here against the Cardinals. Vikings Packers always a fun rivalry it is in Green Bay uh Vikings threw the ball a total of 10 times yeah you can't take too much away from their passing game can you Ross I mean uh, 10 times I I don't even know how healthy Stefan Diggs was now he caught two passes for 37 yards so if you were to come into week number one and tell me yo I know Stefan Diggs is on the injury report and he's struggled when he's been on the injury report, but he's going to catch 25% of Kirk Cousins' completions and have about 40% of his receiving uh, of his passing yards. I'd be like, sign me up. Yeah, unfortunately, Ross, that was just two for 37. The Vikings in week number one, this only happened three times last year. A team won a game by 10 or more points while throwing for fewer than 100 yards. The Vikings did it in week one. It happened only three times last year. This is exactly how Mike Zimmer wants to play football. He was probably so excited when he got home and saw that they were able to win this game throwing the ball just 10 times. What that does mean, though, Ross, Dalvin Cook was awesome. And this guy, if he stays on the field, I think the overall RB1 is in the conversation for Dalvin Cook. He looked explosive. He looked decisive. I thought the Vikings did a very good job blocking up front from him for him, which is not something we've been saying recently. You should be very, very excited if you have Dalvin Cook, while maybe also a little proactive in acquiring our founding father, Alexander Madison, uh, to, uh, to back him up, to handcuff him. Because I think Madison also looked good, and he's somebody who would have a significant role if Cook were to go down. On the other side, since there's not much to say on the passing game, let's go to the Packers. It was not real pretty. Even your boy Devontae Adams didn't have a nice night. Worst game in two years, Ross. And I think things are going to improve, but I thought Matt LaFleur had a really shaky game calling plays. Um, I thought the offensive line had a very shaky game. And this is where you take into account, okay, is it because they played the Bears? Is Was it first game jitters? Is Rodgers just not that good anymore? You have all those questions in your mind, and you have to be willing to admit to yourself that we just don't know. And I want this is also a tough matchup, but the Packers being at Lambeau Field, there's going to be an added comfort level here. So I would think we're going to see a bounce back game. Do not panic about Devontae Adams. He is in your lineup for, until further notice. There is just no reason to panic at all. The guy who I'm interested in is Ross is the guy who looked like their clear number two receiver, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He played 66% of the snaps, by far the second highest of Packer wide receivers. He also saw six targets and a rush attempt. Geronimo Allison didn't even see a target. So right now, it's Valdez-Scantling as the number two. Yeah, what about on the running back front? Yeah, uh, cl- uh, a Only two guys played. It was Aaron Jones and it was Jamal Williams. 59% of the snaps for Jones, 41% for Williams. Um, Aaron Jones looked better to me. Look, Jamal Williams, um, the one thing they really like about him, Ross, is he can pass protect. But to me, the only thing he is right now is a handcuff. 
And as he's shown in the past, if Aaron Jones misses time, Jamal Williams can perform with volume. But Jones is by far the more dominant back. He's the guy I want, and I'm still firing him up here in week number two. Just keep in mind, the Vikings did an unbelievable job on the Falcons' run game, and that's something that you might have to downgrade downgrade Aaron Jones to more of a mid-to-low-end RB2 for this week. Not really somebody I'd be targeting in DFS. Um, got it. Okay, let's move on, and we can get to the Jaguars and the Texans. Minshew is in for Nick Foles, and he looked pretty good. So what does that mean for Fournette and the Jag skill guys? Well, I think you still fire up Fournette, and fortunately for Fournette, I think we saw exactly what we wanted to see from him in week one. He was the overwhelming start uh, top running back here. 86% of the snaps with 19 opportunities. I believe he also saw six targets, which is significant. That is something that you want from Leonard Fournette. I expect him to be the go-to guy uh, for the Jaguars. I thought he was going to be the go-to guy anyway, even with Nick Foles, but they are going to want to protect Gardner Minshew as much as possible. Uh, I thought Minshew acquitted himself very well. I'm excited to talk to Greg Cosell a little bit later in this week to uh, to see exactly how much um, he impressed him and what the Jaguars can do going forward. So, But this is a downgrade to their wide receiving core, in my opinion. Uh, D.D. Westbrook's a three. Uh, fortunately, he got that touchdown late to pay off all the people who were pay- uh, playing him in DFS in week number one. There are two guys you need to watch, though. Chris Conley and D.J. Chark. Both of them had massive games in week number one. Conley, most of his production coming from Minshew. Shark had the long touchdown from Foles, uh, the throw on which Foles got hurt. Both of those guys are are speculative ads, but I'm not rushing to put them in my lineups uh, in week number two, especially against the Texan team. That's going to be pissed off, Ross. They gave up. They they essentially had their game one on Monday night against the Saints, and then they gave it all up in like two or three plays. I think J.J. Watt, who didn't register a tackle or a hit on the quarterback in week one, is going to be licking his chops to get after a sixth-round rookie uh, uh, quarterback. So this is not really the passing game that I'd want to target in either redraft or DFS in week two. What about on the other side? You mentioned the Texans. Wow, Deshaun Watson's awesome. Hopkins actually had an uncharacteristic Drop or drops, two, yeah. and and the Texans ran the ball well, which you never see. Yeah, they ran it well, Ross, with both Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. Now, as expected in a in a shootout uh, with the Saints, Duke Johnson was the guy who played the more snaps, sixty three percent with fourteen opportunities, including five targets. Carlos Hyde had ten carries, but only one target while playing thirty seven percent of the snaps. Worth pointing out, though. The Texans are 8.5-point favorites here at home. That is more conducive to Carlos Hyde returning flex value both in season-long and DFS because I think Duke Johnson's going to play more when a lot of points are expected to be scored. Carlos Hyde, Ross, he's going to play more, I think, when the Texans are projected to win the game and control the game. And they're projected to control this game because the markets do not know how to evaluate Gardner Minshew just off of that one game. I would agree on that one. How about um, anything else on the Texan side we need to mention? Keep an eye on Kenny Stills. 
Uh, he played 42% of the snaps and saw three targets, but he caught the the what should have been the game-winning touchdown pass from Deshaun Watson. I think his snaps are going to go up moving forward, Ross. It is time to be proactive. If he's out there on your waiver wire, I think he's a super talented wide receiver who is playing with a super aggressive quarterback. I think this is potentially a really nice spot for Kenny Stills. Be proactive. I value him significantly over Kiki Kuti heading, uh, moving on forward. Kuti, of course, uh, has the injury, and we don't know exactly when he's going to return, but uh, I would value uh, Kenny Stills going forward. I thought it was a huge, huge positive that we saw that kind of rapport just one game into his Texans tenure. Finally, the last 1 o'clock game, last game we'll do here in part one, it's the Patriots at the Dolphins. Patriots spreading the love. There was a lot of love to spread, but they did spread it out. Edelman, Dorsett, Gordon, and now this week you got to put Antonio Brown into the mix. I'm going to start them all, Ross. Um, the backfield is where I'm a little concerned with the Patriots. They are 18.5-point favorites. Sony Michelle had a miserable game in week one. I think this is a really good ba- bounce-back spot for Michelle. 15 carries for 14 yards last week. With eight, with them as 18.5-point favorites, I would not be shocked if Sony Michelle runs for over 100 yards in this game. This is a great DFS bounce-back spot for Sony Michelle. And frankly, Ross, elsewhere, just start them all against against the Dolphins. They cannot, they cannot put up resistance. The thing that really surprised me was how god-awful their secondary was because – As I mentioned on last week's podcasts, I thought the secondary was the one area where the Dolphins could actually be respectable, and Lamar Jackson just torched them with a bunch of these no-name receivers. What the hell do you think Tom Brady's going to do with Edelman, Josh Gordon, and Antonio Brown? All three of those guys at the wide receiver position, I'm putting in my lineups this week. The guys I'm downgrading, probably James White and Rex Burkhead out of the backfield. Burkhead right now, I want to see how involved he is going forward. He had 16 opportunities in week one, Ross, way more than I think anybody was anticipating. Yeah, that man, you just never really know. Um, Don't. What, what about for the Dolphins? Anything? Uh, Bueller? Sit them all. I mean, Ross, I wish I could say normally when teams are, are projected to get blown out, we're like, well, you want to put in this wide receiver. You want to put in the running back who's going to get targets. Kenyon Drake saw seven opportunities. I think he gained under 15 yards from scrimmage. Devontae Parker, Ross, he is one of my least favorite players in the NFL. I'm not, not going to be playing him anywhere. Uh, Preston Williams is the guy I'm keeping an eye on, maybe. Uh, Albert Wilson got hurt. Uh, who are you, you you playing Alan Hearns, Ross? You excited about Alan Hearns this week? I'm not playing anybody against the Patriots no. defense, especially uh, the Patriots secondary. By the way, their secondary. defense is good. Their secondary is excellent. Stephon Gilmore might be a top three corner in the NFL. I'm just not touching the Dolphins. The, rather than twisting yourself into a pretzel to, to, to convince yourself that we should be starting guys on the Miami Dolphins, just ignore them until they put a competent game on the field. And that might be a long time coming, Ross, given the state of this roster, which is as bad as any I've ever seen in the NFL. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? I can't remember very many times for a fantasy matchup, you literally said start everybody on one team and start nobody on the other team. I mean, that this and is it, like this is the NFL, dude. Dude, they're 18 and a half point favorites on the road. That doesn't even happen in college football. Like let alone the NFL. I mean, Ross, uh, uh, one thing I want to ask you about this Miami team really quick. 
Uh, we saw the report from Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio. I don't know how much you buy into that about how the Dolphins veterans are, are telling their agents, get me out of here. How what would it be like in this locker room knowing that this team is designed to lose? Ross, they they are designed to be non-competitive right now. I know. I, I know it's crazy. It, it's uh man, it's well, that part I think the guys can almost understand. This report about feeling like the coaches were putting them in a position to fail and you know continuing to have man coverage even after Lamar hit the bombs that is there's no way they would ever do that and I know that they wouldn't do that so that's the part that bothers me plus who are these guys that think they're going to like other good teams like who 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 are these guys that think there's going to be other good places for them to go that's kind of what I want to know that'll do it by the way for part number one good stuff Joe really good stuff we only have five games in part two, heavy load on the one o'clock Sunday games this week. So make sure you check your podcast app after midnight on Wednesday for part two here of the Fantasy Feast podcast. Terrific work, Joe. I am already fired up for episode number two, which we will record momentarily. Look, this episode of Fantasy Feast has been brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. If you guys haven't checked them out yet, my guy Will Brinson's on there, Pete Prisco, Danny Cannell, Brady Quinn, plus their fantasy experts, they're there all season. From draft prep that you guys already did to championship week, the latest stats, injury updates, whether it's DFS or season long, if you're looking for something to watch in addition to listening to this podcast, Check it out. No politics, no fake debates. Just open the CBS Sports app and watch anytime from anywhere on your phone or at home on your Apple TV, Roku, or Fire TV. It could not be easier. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. That'll do it for Fantasy Feast number one. But we got a lot more to go. By the way, if you didn't already check out the college draft with Matt Waldman today, do that. If you didn't check out my power rankings on the Ross Tucker football podcast, do that. No matter what, make sure you are ready for episode number two. We're going to record it now. Drop it in your podcast app after midnight. I'm stuffed, but not too stuffed for part two. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.